The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Think about it. It's the first thing that touches your body. Yeah. Right? So it's a second skin if it's done right. Hi, my half-naked listeners. It's your host, Christine Evangelista. Today on the show, we have lingerie industry veteran, Ellen Lewis. Ellen has over three decades of experience in lingerie and intimate apparel and has such a wealth of knowledge and knows what's coming up in the industry. She founded the website Lingerie Briefs, which I love. It has great information about just lingerie and intimate apparel. We talk about current trends and big changes in the market and how it reflects our society, which you know I love talking about. She says that now... Finally, we are understanding what women want, not what you think they want. Her passion and expertise come through so much in this interview. I know you'll enjoy this. Please welcome Ellen Lewis to the Half Naked Podcast. Listen up, my cheeky listeners. I want to tell you about a lingerie line I am loving right now called The Under Argument. And now until the end of May, you can get 20% off with code HALFNAKED. Each collection for the underargument is an argument against the norm. This female-owned line showcases different types of women in their campaigns with unretouched, unedited images, which I love. And each piece is named and labeled after an empowering quote to remind the wearer to embrace their individuality. A favorite of mine is the long line triangle bra with the high waist brief. The bra is stunning and is perfect for underwear or outerwear. Check out the under argument and for the month of May, you'll get 20% off with code half naked. Hi, Ellen. Thank you so much for coming on Half Naked. Thank you for inviting me. I would love to start this interview by asking you what I ask everyone when they come on the show. What kind of underwear are you wearing right now? Right now. I'm <laughs> wearing on Gossamer Mesh High Cut Briefs, Evelyn and Bobby's Camisole Bralette, and Falca Socks. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. I do love on Gossamer. They've been running a promo code for us on our podcast all throughout season one. And they sent me a bunch of things and I have those mesh underwears too. And I love I swear by them. Really? Yeah. Why do you like them so much? Because it's like, you're not wearing underwear. Yeah. Maybe I get them too big or something, but (laughs) it's like, there's like nothing on your body. They're just very transparent. And I live in Mexico for a good chunk of the year and they're very comfortable in the heat. But I have them on here up in the Northeast. And I just yeah. like the fact that there's feels like there's only one layer on my body and that's yeah. my leggings. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool. I do like the mesh too, because I, I also think it looks like a little sexy. I think it's cool. It's not yeah, like just a is. normal. And I think it adds like a little something different to the underwear. Like I yeah. would say, it's like these elevated basics. That's what I, I pretty much call Oh, that's that a great, that's a great term. I should write that down. Ah, look at that. You could credit me. Thanks very much. I will. I will. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm envisioning you right now, just posting lingerie briefs from Cabo. <laughs> All the time. I mean, I'm never there in the winter. Never. I come home for the shows. I come home for Paris and I'm on the board of directors of the Under Fashion Club and we host a huge fundraising event called the Femi Awards. Our whole mission is to raise money for scholarships for people in our industry, like FIT and Parsons Mm -hmm. and whatever. So I usually have to be home and I want to be home for that. Mm -hmm. 
and there's market, and then there's the New York market and the LA market. So I've never been there in the winter and I was very surprised. I was very cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had none of the right clothes with me because it's cold there. What is the under fashion club? The under fashion club is the industry's largest industry organization. It's a nonprofit and the mission is completely to get money, earn money to subsidize scholarship for fashion school That's people great. In, in lingerie. Oh. It's not, it's all about lingerie. It's not Ooh. about, yeah, it's all about lingerie. Are there more and more applicants coming into the space? Do you see that are looking for scholarships? Do you see more people getting into the industry as a whole? Well, it's difficult for me to assess that hundred percent because I'm not in charge of that committee. I have, a, I'm yeah. in charge of the programming committee, but I can tell you that our membership is growing. So yeah. the events are attracting new members. So I would think so. Well, lingerie is such, such a greater field than people realize and such a more complex field. I find it interesting when I see people just come in and begin blogging about it because they like wearing it. And it's just a highly complex industry that, and it's also very much a mom and pop industry, except the huge, huge conglomerates. I mean, it's very complex. And Asi Efros, who we had on a few weeks ago, was telling us that the design of intimates and bras specifically is just as, if not more complex to men's suiting, she compared it to, like where it's just very precise. Yes, it's very precise. It depends on the level of construction. For example, there are bras that are $150. There are bras that are $50. There's bras that are $25. A bra for a large-breasted woman can have 53 separate components in it. It's very complicated. It's an engineering feat. But still, even at the very moderate level, there's a minimum of pieces and sewing and complexity to it. And the fitting process is extraordinarily complicated. There's whole universities like in England, and that's all they do. They they study this. I think that lingerie has expanded beyond the world of the lingerie department in a store. It's almost ready to wear now. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing this Celine sports bra, bralette. Right. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, and you probably did not buy that in a lingerie department. You probably bought that in, yeah, Mm -hmm. excellent, exactly. So that's my point. It's not segued into the ready-to-wear world. It was so funny. I was having a conversation last night. I'm friends with a journalist who writes for the style section for the Times, and we were talking about panties. And Linda told me that she notices on the runways that all of the big designers now have like panties exposed. You know, they have their own sort of brief, right? I said, yes, they do. But the first person who really got that going was Commando, who, are you familiar with the Commando brand? Of course, I'm an actress. And on set, 99% of the time we're wearing commandos because they're so thin and I wear a flesh tone commando, but they also have the clothing. I have the leggings. They have been accommodating the runway with their underwear, maybe quietly, but on the high haute couture level on a lot of the transparent things not i don't know where they are this year but the last few years you it was a commando garment you were seeing through that Mm -hmm. that product so they've always been about 
inner outer yeah roundwear so yeah and yeah. I love that I'm very and I really want to talk about the underwear as outerwear I had Jennifer Zuccarini from Florida Mall I know on. Jennifer very, yeah I yeah. love her actually yeah. and that's how I found you when I had Jennifer on the show and I'm just doing my own research and I was really interested because I love I've always loved that line because I always love underwear as outerwear and I've worn it my my whole life, really, just exposed corsets or exposed bra or sheer shirts with a black bra underneath or even a white t-shirt with a black bra. Like, I've always loved that look. I'm scrolling through her Instagram and I'm looking at who she follows and I found lingerie briefs and I clicked on lingerie briefs and immediately fell in love with the website. It's so so informative. It's really well done. It's interesting. It's current. And it taught me so much. I went to FIT. I've always been interested in, in fashion. I actually also studied merchandising, which I know you did too. And I'd love yeah. to talk to you about that. But I found this such a resource and it really is a magazine. Could you yeah. talk to me about lingerie briefs and how it started? Well, it started it in 2009. And I'd been in the corporate world all my career and up, up until like 2004 or five. And, and, and for the last 35 or plus years, lingerie, intimate apparel. Mm-hmm. So I ended up leaving that world in 2006 or seven. I don't remember somewhere around there and thought, oh, I'll be a consultant, but you don't do resumes anymore. You have a website. Yeah. So I set up a, a website with my information about consulting on it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, someone I knew in SEO said to me, well, you have to have a blog. No one's going to go to your website. So. Yeah. I said, well, all right. I what do, what do I write about? I, I love to write. Writing's a hobby. Was always a hobby. I said, okay, I like to write. And the thing I know the most about is lingerie. I'm going to start a blog. And now we try to publish a new blog five days a week. But your articles are really informative. I learned so much by reading about the brands and their history. What makes them interesting to you? Well, my business model is exactly what it says. Briefs. But when I write, it's often not even 300 words. And the purpose is simply to capture the DNA of the brand in a few sentences, which is not easy to do, by the way, and to use a product that reflects that DNA in the brand. And we really try to cater to specialty store businesses because I grew up in the big box business. I was in Macy's for years. When I was at Macy's, I could go in the market and I could see something and I could say, this this brand is worth helping. And we used to get a report on our desk every Monday morning called the Toby Report. And it literally was, looked like a spiral notebook in black and white. Brands could not subscribe to it. It was for merchants only. It was subscription. The store paid for it. And it was guidelines in the market. So if you, you read it, if the people at Toby would the market researchers had seen a new brand, they might put it up. It might be three sentences. This is worth seeing because, and a little pen nail sketch. And it was very helpful to get you beyond the big guys you had to buy or, you know, your, your anchor brands to get you to see other things or understand what's happening. And so my, when I initially started this, I actually was thinking I'm going to do a Toby like report for the lingerie industry. This was all B2B when we started. We were on no social media. It was all B2B. And I have the expertise. I'm just going to go in the market and touch on the things that I would buy if it were my store. Now, that's not to say that I would buy everything I write about because 
stores have different profiles, different customer profiles. Of course. But if this is your profile for a traditional customer, this is a great item. If this is your profile for a very sexy customer, but we are very strict on the price point. We do not go below. So uh -huh. most of the things I write about, you won't find in a department store. Well, you might, you might find them in Nordstrom's or Neiman's, but you won't find them with a few exceptions, even in Macy's today. We don't write about those brands. Yes, I noticed that. And I have found a lot of really cool, interesting brands that are pushing the envelope, moving things forward, breaking barriers. How has the industry that you've seen on the blog and the things that you're writing about and the brands that you're promoting, how have they evolved or changed since 2009? The big changes, I, I think, are in the concept of understanding diversity, mm -hmm. understanding sustainability understanding what women want, not what you think women want. So I always say with shapewear, the big evolution I've seen recently is it used to, it was a hot, hot, hot thing going on in the, around 2009. I went to one show, I swear to you, half the brands were shaping brands. Yeah. And now you, it's a different mentality. Put yourself in a garment and let it make you who they think you should be. It's put a garment on me and let my body come through as it is. Yeah. So, oh my God, that honest, I don't know why I get really emotional when I, when you say that, like it can make me cry, you know, because for so I'm a wreck, but it really is because you just, these garments have used to, and I'm sure you could attest to this, but just control and contort and change and make women into a certain way. I mean, let's talk about the eighties. Oh my God. And what we were doing it just as recently as the eighties with the push up yeah. bra and all the things and like, you know, changing, changing, changing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But yeah. how it is now, it's so much more about us coming through these things. Right. Which was right. really why I've, you know, been so interested in even in starting this podcast in the first place and why I'm so interested in women's intimates. Right. Because it right. is about that. Well, yeah. think about it. It's the first thing that touches your body. Yeah. Right. So it's a second skin if it's done right. And as somebody said to me this morning, I was talking about there's a there's a sexy surge happening in the market right now. And I need to preface that by saying the three major, major trends in the market right now are sports bras slash bralettes. It started with bralettes, but it's the sports bra business is way up over 2019 and 2020. And it pulled the whole industry up, by the way. And I get, I get a lot of information from NPD. So I get these facts, a lot of them from it, but it, you can see it in the market and what people are showing. So sports bras... Anything that has to do with comfort, you know, like sleepwear has seen a surge. It was dead for a while. And yeah. sleepwear <sighs> is really what you were saying, lounge, homeware, yeah. easy wear, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is this smoothing element, which is not shapewear, but there's more to it than an angosomer panty. Right. There's a, right. It, it smooths you. It doesn't mm -hmm. hold you, but it makes mm -hmm. you feel a little bit secure. Oh, yeah. And that's a big trend. So when the sexy thing started and it started to emerge in the fall, in the sort of height of the pandemic, why? You know, people say, oh, well, people wanted to be entertained a little bit, spice things up at home. That's what they're telling me. And I'm saying maybe. OK, but I think that women want to feel special. It has nothing to do with somebody else's point of view. It's what they want. You know, I wear perfume every day of my life, even if I'm not. Ellen, 
you and me, we're these kindred spirits. I right. put perfume on for this podcast. Right, me too. Okay. <laughs> I, I, have to, yes. I have to wear it and I like good perfume. Me and too. What, what do you it, wear? What perfume do you well, wear? Right now I'm wearing a Dior. Part of the reason, it just makes me feel mentally different. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's what really be comfortable, well-made underwear does for you. So these sexy garments, a lot of them just, it's not about sex. It's about... Wow, I, I know what's underneath my clothes. I feel, you know, I'm wearing a, I'm not, but I'm wearing a red bra or I'm wearing a lacy thing. Yeah. And I think that's a big reason for the surge. It's a well being thing. And I also think that people are anxious to go out and have a little bit of flair in their wardrobe. And there's so much now that you can wear exposed. I mean, I don't at my age, but mm-hmm. I. But you could. I absolutely agree with all of this because just thinking about the psychology behind this all, even what I was doing, I am the person that you're talking about. During the pandemic, I started to do little things that I call my own personal self-care to make me feel sexy. I am a person that loves to go out. I love to dress up. I'm super feminine in a lot of ways. And I had a really hard time expressing that over the past year because I wasn't going out so much. So I would do those things. I started wearing more comfort, but still sexy. A lot of silk bralettes and right, silk right. underwear. Like I started really caring about the materials that were used, right? Like right. I, I cared, I started investing in it more right. and I started right. buying so much stuff online. Like, and that's when like my love that's of your generation, that's yeah, yeah that's I hard know. for us. It's hard for us. To not know. Yes. I mean, in Manhattan, we have a lot of really great stores, but where I grew up on Staten Island, we didn't really have a lot of no. you know, lingerie stores. There were just the big box places. There was the mall and stuff. But I remember going to Europe for the first time and like really going into like what was an actual beautiful bespoke silk lingerie shop. Right. Well, my famous story is when my daughter, who's in her thirties, she did that trip around Europe, whatever you do it with her best friend after college. The only thing that kid brought back Uh from the trip, walking around with that backpack is Casabella underwear. First of all, that's fine. And I know she learned a lot because she was around me a lot, around my office. Of all the things you could buy in Italy, she bought a pair, she bought some Casabella underwear. To me, it's art. It's not just art in terms of what you see. It's art to engineer. You have to be really creative to engineer a product so it fits. You have to be really smart, creative to manipulate the numbers when you're a buyer Mm -hmm. to project and understand what the flow of goods are in your store. So that's why my objective with the with the site is to give merchants an, an ability to see items that can enhance their bottom line, enhance their gross margin. You say lingerie is poetry, and I think that's so eloquently put. And I have found that it is the most, I think, emotional garment that we wear. Why do you think this is? Well, for one thing, it's on your naked body. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if it's uncomfortable, you know, the waistband's too tight, the bra's too tight, it makes you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if the fabric itches, it, it's a very close relationship with how you physically feel. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And psychologically, I just think it, you know, I'm not a particularly girly girl. I have to tell you, I, I just think it's artistry how to use the componentry Think of how small a bra is to have all those components juxtaposed. It's like a collage. 
you know, lace, uh, jewel. I mean, not every garment's like yeah, this, yeah, but yeah. embroidery. I mean, this whole industries of textiles that are that are absolutely geared towards the intimate apparel business. I always said after I understood the importance of the textiles to the mm -hmm. business that if I had went back and went to school again, I'd probably study textiles and over this because everything is based on what's against your body. But outerwear is really for your mask, the way you look to the world. Innerwear is how you look to yourself or someone who you're pretty close to, hopefully. You yeah. know, it's like someone you you have a bond with in some way or another. So I think that that's the difference. You know, it's funny because when I was at Macy's at one point in my career, we actually launched their private label business in the mid 80s. And we were very successful in lingerie, very different then than it is now, but in right. lingerie. And I remember the chairman of the division of the corporate division coming up to me and saying, we're thinking of promoting you to ready to wear you know, are you interested? And I, it annoyed me because I, and I said, no, because everything in, in the mind of many people in the industry, in the fashion industry is that ready to wear is the glamour area. I get that. I, I do dresses, I do sportswear, but lingerie is so much more, it's more beautiful, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And I remember when I went to Macy's, one of my mentors saying to me, a really good merchant is a balance between Picasso and Einstein. <laughs> and if you look at certain businesses, okay, like a lot of the ready-to-wear business, at one point, the worst buying job I ever had was mm -hmm. designer dresses and sportswear. All I was supposed to do was wear the clothes. Of course, they gave me an allowance and put the stuff in the department. And nobody even cared if I marked it down. It was just imagery image, yeah. image. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so much more interesting to delve into like, why does that bra sell right. over that one? They look exactly to the naked eye. Why does one push up bra? Why? You know, yeah. and I mean, there's lots of parts to it. There's marketing, there's money behind it. There's all sorts of things, but it's, I think it requires a lot of thinking. It's a psychological garment and that's right. why it's so right. interesting. Right. I mean. Right. And the merchant, in my opinion, is the bridge between the design team who was always way ahead and the sales team who's always looking back on what they sold so they and trying to do it again it's a great job because it's you're like a diplomat yeah they're on totally different ways if you know what i mean speaking of what's ahead what do you think is on the horizon for the lingerie industry at large where do you see it going hmm, that's an interesting loaded question it is loaded and you know i guess it means what are we starting to prioritize that maybe we haven't before are you talking about with product well the, the industry as a whole you know i mean well yes. i mean i think that the pendulum is going to swing okay from this ultra ultra comfort it's never going to eliminate comfort and also the the advancements in technology in fabrics and componentry is so so ongoing that i think it will keep that softness and comfort part of the future. It will be some sort of merging, like a hybrid of this comfort thing. I think that sustainability is a huge issue. And yep. it's a very, very, very difficult one in this industry because there's so much that goes into a, a piece of lingerie to take it to a totally sustainable level. It's not just like a, a t-shirt. It's hard enough to make a, a garment. You can't just say organic. If you really want it to be sustainable, it has to be Mm -hmm. 
dust to dust, right? right. And it's hard enough to, to do that with a piece of fabric. And now you're talking about all sorts of other elements. It's a really difficult, but so I think that's a huge challenge, mm -hmm. huge challenge. Same thing true about 3D creations. I yeah. mean, I think that that's a real challenge, possible, but almost impossible, but mm -hmm. nothing's impossible mm -hmm. because of fit. How do yeah. you do a garment in 3D with fit? I think that's going to be really, really important. I think that the brands are going to have to be accountable for I don't think it's going to be so fast, although that's, I'm saying nothing new that's been mm -hmm. in the news. I think there's the fast fashion mentality with the newer generations is just done. One of the people that I really respect is Charlene Ernster. Do you know who she is? No. Charlene was also at Victoria's Secret. She was a director in charge mm -hmm. of swim and the sexier sides of the business. But she had a very high level job. And she left there some years ago and started this company that she now runs out of LA called We Are Ha. Oh yes. Oh yes. I love that brand. And it's all about a constant sustainability. We just did a story on her because she just actually accomplished recyclable lace. lace. I, mean, I read that lace, story. But, yeah. Yes. And, but, but it's soft. It's not that, you know, it's been very hard to create lace that you want to wear against your naked body. Speaking of I mean, I know this is a difficult to answer question because, of course, it ranges on the materials, especially the textiles that are used in the garment. But how long should we hold on to underwear and our bras? How long should they last? I will, I will tell you what people say. They say you should probably recycle a bra every, at least go get another fitting every mm -hmm. six months. Okay. Because you may not be the same size. Mm -hmm. The wearability depends on how many you have and how many you wear. Exactly. That's true. Okay. So I think that it's a look, you know, when people give you a specific time frame, mm -hmm. I have an entire drawer of bras, <laughs> of which I probably wear the top layer and only me too, the top me layer. Too, me too. <laughs> I can't part with them. So the same thing with underwear. I have a whole drawer of underwear, but, but I keep recycling Your go -to. my go-to. So I think underwear is you, you take a look at it and make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do it. There's that whole notion of like, you have your set of underwear and then like, you realize maybe you've had a little too long and they inevitably become like period underwear. Yeah. Uh, period underwear, going back to textiles, fascinating, right? Thank What's you, happening? Yeah. I haven't tried it yet and I really should. I think well, I will. The brand that we wrote about is uh, Proof. Yeah. And are you familiar with Proof? Yeah. And so I was very fascinated with, with what Jody had done with the brand, but there's a bunch of them out there. I think Thinks is one of them. I think yeah. Nix is one of them. It's really an interesting technology and mm -hmm. apparently it works. Yeah. And I, my generation, I met this, even my friend, Linda, who's like older and the one who's doing the panty thing. I said, Linda, you have to include it in your article. You have to. And she said, who, who wants blood dripping eyes that you don't understand? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a new technology. It's not going to. She said, you know, does it work when you're older and you need it for other reasons? She said yeah. it works with any liquid. I don't know. What Give it a try. Write about it, Linda. <laughs> write about it. This is yeah. funny. Well, Ellen, yeah. I really loved interviewing you. Oh, you're, you. you're so insightful, but you're so passionate. And I just, I just really love listening. I thank think you. it was like the interview that I just listened to the most because oh. I just loved how you spoke about things. It's time for our closing segment. Let's keep it brief. Consumers are far more conscious with who they buy their garments from 
and where their money is going, as we talked about. But I want to throw out some lingerie requests a conscious consumer might want to consider and just give me some brands that you would recommend. Okay. Okay. okay so somebody that's eco-friendly. Eco-friendly. Kalita mm-hmm. out of Europe. We are Ha. Yes. LA. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pretty Polly has an underwear program. A lot of them are claiming it on one garment or yeah. another. Next one. Black owned. Lulette is an indie brand. I love Lulette. I, yeah. I own them. Mm-hmm. Anya Lust. Mm-hmm. Oh, a um, gorgeous Anya Lust is so beautiful. Yeah. Nubian skin for sure. Yeah. For just bras and panties. Boy, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Erica M's leggings. She's even had Beyonce. Oh, is that um, the one with the with the studs on them? Like they she'll have Well, she has lots of things. Next one is LGBTQ. We just did um the Amora Me blog we just did on Monday. She takes her brand and does bespoke things for that community. Miss M. Mm-hmm. So I think it's launching now out of London. That's trans. And what about made in the USA? Hanky Panky. Yeah. PJ Harlow for a sort of lounge and bra 30 and poetically correct and think those kind of brands. And lastly, women owned. Well, I could say Hanky Panky again. Yeah, yeah. I could say a lot. There's a lot. Would you say that there's more than ever? Yes. And that's a very interesting ending point. I think when I was coming up in the industry, the amount of men-driven lingerie businesses, I have been at fit meetings where the entire room is men except me. Whoa. And the model on a bra. Oh, my God. Okay? And a, a lot of the pattern makers, the engineers were men. So it's historically been, and that's changing. Um, and you know about Spanx for sure. I see that things have changed. They certainly have in my industry. You know, yeah. I'm an actress and I, and I see all of that. And I hope the modeling industry follows suit. It seems to be, you know, at least, you know, in, in terms of even the models that are being chosen, the different right. body types and all that stuff. Right. And I think that's really cool. Right. And it's going to swing back. It's going to be an overload of what was missing for a while. And then it's going to move back a little bit and a little bit of what was before will come back. And that's okay. You know, we, we mm-hmm. need a balance. Yeah. You as know. long as we continue to have our voice. Right. Thank you so much, Ellen. This You're is welcome. wonderful. I really appreciate the time that you gave me and, no and all of your insight. Thank you. I love that Ellen is dedicated to providing scholarships for people who want to study specifically lingerie and that the industry is growing so much. And like she said, it's very boutique and mom and pop. And we're highlighting new brands all the time that are evolving and changing the industry. Check out her website, lingeriebriefs.com, and give her a follow on all of her social channels to see what she's writing about at lingeriebriefs underscore. And of course, follow us to see all things Half Naked. (laughs) Please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Half Naked podcast. Thanks so much for listening to us strip down and get real, and I'll catch you next week.